say Beatitudes. Some people are like, what is that, Pastor? Like, Beatitudes? Beatitudes is actually the introduction to the greatest sermon ever preached. If you go to Matthew 5, which we're going to start in a few moments, Jesus preaches the most famous sermon ever preached known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the introduction to the sermon is these statements known as the Beatitudes. And they really are kingdom principles right at the beginning of this sermon. But the interesting thing about these Beatitudes is that they are very countercultural. They are very opposite of what you and I would think because, of, because they're opposite of the world. Like what the world says and kind of the world around us and society says, oh, this is right. Like it's actually the opposite. It's kind of like the upside down kingdom that Jesus preaches about. Uh, they're beautiful statements, but they're very challenging. And honestly, can I just say something on the, on the forefront of this message? Honestly, and you may not be a person who really cares to live according to God's values and morals. That's okay. But for those of us who do, if you and I, if we want to live according to God's values and morals, that means we cannot live according to the world's values and morals. I thought I would get maybe 10 amens, but that's okay. We're waking up. We're getting started. Um, in other words, it's, very, it's two different sets of values and morals and ways of seeing the world, the way of God and the way of the world. And so if I want to live according to God's values, it's going to cause me to, to live not according to the world's values. Okay, now going back to the Beatitudes, I, I ran into a great, uh, a great quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones that says, a Christian is something before he does something. A Christian is something before he does something. And all of the Beatitudes are really about us being something before we try to do something. And by the way, the Sermon on the Mount has a lot to do with how you and I live our lives and the choices that we make. Uh, and Jesus explains a lot about what it means to be a Christian. But he starts with showing us how, how we think and how we see ourselves. Another way of saying what I just said is we can't do the Sermon on the Mount until we are the Beatitudes. Does that make sense? So we can't pretend to, to really comply with and do these things that Jesus teaches us in this great sermon without first becoming and being these, these initial statements, which are, are the Beatitudes. In other words, how can you turn the other cheek unless you are meek, right? You got to be something first in order to do it. Uh, how, can you, how can you not lust unless you have a pure heart? You got to be something before doing that. How, how do you love your enemy without being merciful? It requires you to be something. So you can't do the Sermon on the Mount without being the Beatitudes. And the way we do that is by yielding to the Holy Spirit in our lives, allowing him to lead us, okay? So the title of today's message, based on the next Beatitude, is Blessed are the Merciful. Blessed are the Merciful. And let's read together in Matthew chapter 5. And if you don't have Bibles, that's okay. They're going to be up on the screens as well. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I want to read up to that beatitude. And we all know that it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, here's the first one that we talked about the first week, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And here's today's verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Can we take a moment and pray? Lord, right now we open up our hearts and our minds, and we are ready to receive what you have for us today. I pray, Lord, that you would surpass our every expectation and Lord, I pray that seeds of truth from your word 
would land in fertile soil in each and every one of our hearts and minds. We want to be receptive and ready, and we want to understand what your word teaches, and we want to put these principles into action in our lives. Help us, we ask you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is declaring some truths about what it means to follow him. And let me give you something interesting if you haven't, hadn't noticed yet about the Beatitudes. The first four Beatitudes are kind of inward facing. The first four Beatitudes, for example, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're about how I think about me, okay? Now, here in the fifth beatitude that we're starting today, blessed are the merciful, Jesus makes a turn and now he, he kind of points it outward. Now, now it starts to talk a little bit about how I think about and how I deal with others in my life. And here's the reality. If, if, I, if I really love God, I understand that what he wants to do in me doesn't end with just me. What he wants to do, what he wants to do in my life is beyond me and it reaches others through me. And so I think that's the beauty of the Beatitudes uh, because we, we realize that the successful Christian life is not just the person who says, I received the grace and the love of Jesus. I'm saved. Now I'm done. A successful Christian life is I received from God what he had for me and now I am a portal through which he can give to others. I can help others reach and receive what by grace I have reached or how God has reached me and I have received. Does that make sense? And so, and so the good question for us to ask when the title is Blessed Are the Merciful, good question is, am I merciful? Am I merciful? Are you merciful? Are you mercy-filled? Do you have mercy in you from God that you can then share and give to others because you have received it? I want, I want, I want to understand what Jesus was saying here, and I want you to understand the meaning of this word mercy. And to do so, here at the start, I wanna talk about three words or three concepts. So if you're taking notes, let's start here. Three important concepts. Here they are. Number one, justice. Number two, mercy. Number three, grace. Now you guys help me out. Number one, justice. Number two, mercy. Number three, grace. To really get to understand what Jesus is saying when, when he says, blessed are the merciful, it's important for us to understand these three important concepts. So let me give you a very simple definition for each. We could have an elaborate, uh, you know, detailed definition, but I want to give a simple definition. Number one, justice is giving a person what he deserves. That's justice. In other words, you deserve this, so you're going to get this. This is justice. Do we agree with that? Mercy is not giving a person what he deserves. So you deserve punishment because of what you did, but because of mercy, you're, I'm not gonna give it to you. I'm gonna have mercy. Are you with me? So justice is you get what you deserve. Mercy is not giving a person what he deserves. And grace, grace is giving a person what they do not deserve. In other words, this good thing that you don't deserve, I'm gonna give it to you. That's called grace. So this is justice, mercy, and grace. Now, if we talk about these three Practically in terms of our relationship with God, let me give you this perspective. Sending you to hell is justice. Why? Because the Bible says that every single one of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. So we're guilty of sin. So justice would be hell. That would be, justice would be God sends us to hell. 
Not, not sending you to hell, that would be mercy. Why? Because the punishment that you do deserve, he's not gonna give it to you and me. That's called what? Mercy, that's mercy. And check this out. Sending you to heaven is grace. Because this that you don't deserve, I'm gonna give you, not because you deserved it, not because you could ever earn it, not because you were good enough, but because of my grace, says the Lord. Are you with me? Justice, mercy, and grace. Can anybody today give God thanks for the grace that we do not deserve, but if we are in Christ, know that we have a promise for us. Let's unpack this more. So, so let's talk about, so justice and mercy. Justice and mercy are both attributes of God's character. And I wanna, I wanna help us to see this and understand this today because there's a little bit of a tension between how some people view this and I think we need the right perspective. Some people believe that God's justice and God's mercy are always fighting because he's a just God, but he's a merciful God. And oh man, let's, get, let's hope we get him on a good day. A lot of people have this mistaken idea. Like if God was 50% just and 50% merciful and they're just fighting their way out. But let me tell you today, that is not God's character because whatever God is, God is 100% that in his character. So God's not 50-50 as some people think. God is actually 100% just and 100% merciful. And it's not like these two are fighting their way out to see which one comes out, you know, on top and, and, you know, God is completely both at the same time, and this is confusing. The fact, let me explain this. The fact that God is just and merciful means that at the same time, he gives us what we deserve and he doesn't give us what we deserve at the same time. Why? Because he's both just and merciful. So I wanna unpack this because I know it's a little confusing, but I think we're gonna understand it together. Can we give God praise for his word? Number one, I'm gonna give you a few points. Number one, God doesn't just have justice, he is justice. Now you guys help me out. God doesn't just have justice, he is justice. It's not just the character quality, it's an attribute of who he is. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ezekiel 18 with me. I'll give you about 20 seconds to get there. We're unpacking the concept of justice and mercy, and specifically right now, not the, God doesn't just have justice, he is justice, and I want you to check out this verse in Ezekiel 18 where it, there's, a, there's a, a moment where God is speaking to his people in the moment of, of the writing, right? He's speaking to the people of Israel. Today, we are considered God's people. And Ezekiel 18, 25, look what it says. It says, yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Here, you Israelites, is my way unjust? Is it not your ways that are unjust? God says, if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin, they will die for it. Because of the sin they have committed, they will die. But if a wicked person turns away from the wickedness they have committed and does what is just and right, they will save their life. Because they consider all the offenses they have committed and turn away from them, that person will surely live. They will not die. Yet the Israelites say, the way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, people of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? 
Okay, so let's stop there and let me help you understand what God is saying here. He's talking to his people, which today we can take as he's talking to us. And he says, people, you misunderstand me sometimes because you say that I'm not just. You say that I'm not fair, but you need to know that I am 100% just. In fact, sometimes it's you that are unjust. God's making it very clear in his word. Now, let me give you a, a definition of this word in the Hebrew uh, meaning, which is the original word used here. The word for just means morally equal. Everybody say it with me. Ready? Morally equal. The word for just here means morally equal. I want you to think about a really big equal sign, right? And so God is saying here, what he's saying is, I'm always morally equal. In other words, everything I do is backed up and morally equal and therefore just. What, what about God is just? Everything. By the way, the, word, the Bible talks about, about sin and it talks about iniquity, which by the, way, by the way, iniquity is inequity. In other words, it is not morally equal. So when there is sin in our life, iniquity, it makes us inequity. It makes us unequal. It makes us not morally equal. And this is why sin can destroy your life because it's not morally equal. God says in my kingdom, in my character, I am always morally equal. So I wanna give you an illustration to understand this a little bit. Um, I think a lot of you have maybe noticed or seen, especially if you've ever been to a U.S. courthouse or like a, a county or state courthouse, uh, you've probably seen a, the scale of justice, right? If I'm going to ask the production team to put a picture here. Uh, the scale, you know, of justice, right, where, where it's kind of, it's an instrument used to weigh, right? Back in the day before we had digital scales, uh, we had scales like this, which was a way of trying to figure out what something weighed or what something was equal to. So you would put weight on one side of the scale and then you would put weight on the other side of the scale until you would find it balance. And then you would know how much something weighed or what it was equal to. Now, I think we understand the concept of a scale. I think we understand it in terms of weight physically and materially. However, I don't think we understand it fully in terms of God. Let me tell you how most people view the scale when they think about God and, and, and righteousness and things that are right and things that are wrong. Most people, when it comes to God, they see the scale and they would say, okay, here's all the good things that I've done on one side. Here's all the bad things that I've done. So the good things that I've said, the way that I've treated people right, things that are, that are worthy and righteous. And then here's all the bad things that I've done, that I've said, that I've thought, that have not been good. And so we think that as long as, there's, as long as there's more weight on the good side, then I'm in good shape, right? Uh, because, you know, there's more good than bad. And, and, and again, this is, the, this is a humanistic kind of worldly philosophy and it's easy for us to think that because nobody thinks they're bad. <laughs> Even bad people don't think they're bad. <laughs> and so it's easy for us to assume this position and think, okay, as long as I have more weight on the, on the good side, then, then I'm in good shape. But this is not the scales of justice according to God because, the, by the way, if you ever see the scales of justice in a courtroom, you'll notice in fact that on one side is all of the evidence and on the other side is this thing called justice. So when, when it's being balanced in, under the law, it's not how good and how bad are you. You're a little more good than bad, so you're gonna let you off. It's whatever your situation is compared to justice. If it matches, if it's equal, or if it's running short, are you with me? So, so the real scale is all of my good and all of my bad 
are on one side and on the other side is justice. And we just said that God doesn't, have, doesn't just have justice, he is justice. So with God, the scales of justice are everything I've done good, everything I've done bad, my whole, everything together is on one side and on the other side is God. And God is morally equal. And so it's like saying, it's like saying, I'm on one side of the scale with everything good, bad, and the ugly, and the pretty. And God is on the other side. It's like saying an 800 trillion ton weight is on that other side. And I'm like, like that. Are you with me? Is anybody with me? No matter how much girth you got, <laughs> there, is, there is no way you and I could ever be morally equal. God is just, completely just. He's morally equal. So all my good and all my bad is stacked up on one side. And then on the other side is justice, which we understand today that God doesn't just have justice. He is justice. So God's on one side. Everything I've done is on the other side. Everything in me wants to try to, I, I, you and I could do good, a good work every day of our life. But we're, we're, gonna, we're still going to have some bad works. <laughs> And we're going to still have some issues. And you and I can try to do 10 good works every single day and still come up short and never have enough spiritual moral weight to bring the scale to equality. There is iniquity, which means there is inequity, which means we can never be morally equal. Is anybody following me? I could jump on my side of the scale and it doesn't even tickle the scale because it is that much difference. But here's the truth in my life. I don't know about you. When I was five, I was presented with the message of the gospel of Jesus. I believe I understood it and I said a prayer and I confessed it. When I was between 13 and 14, I reaffirmed that decision and I officially said, because at five it's kind of hard to make life decisions, but when I was kind of in that between 13 and 14, I made a few promises to the Lord, including saving myself uh, for marriage and my purity and my, my virginity. And, uh, but, but among that, I said, God, I am going to follow you because I'm not a Christian because my parents are Christians. I have chosen to follow Christ myself. And when I made that decision at that age, here's what happens in the spirit according to the word of God and according to God's way. Because God, God is so good that he knew that we would never be able to bring equity within our life and his justice. So what happens is the moment I say yes to Jesus, what happens is Jesus now steps on the scale with me and we have equity because now God doesn't see me and my sin and my past. Now he sees my redeemer and my savior who paid the price, who carries the weight, who brings equity. And it's not that God is being merciful and he's just throwing justice to the wind. It's that he is completely just and he is completely merciful. Not because of what I've done, but because of who lives in me. This is a good word. Literally, what happened is that Jesus stepped on the scale with me and of no credit to me and of no credit to any good works that I could do, only because of his mercy and his grace, Jesus steps on the scale and I can now find that connection with the Lord and my righteousness is in Christ and because of Christ. Can anybody say amen? Look, look up here on the screens. You don't have to look for it. First John 1, 9, look what it says. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and 
just. If you guys can help me on the screens there. There you go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and what? Just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't it interesting that it doesn't say if we confess our sins, he is faithful and merciful. It's interesting because that's our first tendency would be, but the truth is he's just even when he extends mercy. This is how God, uh, differently from us, can be completely just and completely merciful because of Christ in us. He is justified in sending you and me to heaven, not because we did enough good works and I did so much good and it's better than the bad. Ooh, it was right there, but more good. No, our good works are dirty rags, says in Isaiah. We can never be good enough. But because of Christ in us, it satisfies justice with Jesus because he's on my side of the scale. So if there was ever a time to be grateful for Jesus's mercy and justice, it would be, it would be now to say, thank you, Lord, because you don't just have justice, you are justice. Number two, God doesn't just have mercy, he is mercy. It's a good place for an amen right there. God is not, he does not just have mercy, he is mercy. These are attributes of who he is. And let me deal with the misconception that some believers have. Some people, even believers, they have this thought or idea that God's merciful right now, but let me tell you, his mercies are running out. So you better hurry up because his mercy's almost done as if he had some kind of sack and he's running out of the mercy after he's given it out to you and me. But I want us to see why this is not true. Psalm 136, Psalm 136. It's interesting because it would be easy for you and me to think that as well. Like, man, God's going to get tired. You'll give me now mercy. Psalm 136, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And I want you guys to kind of respond the second half of the verse with me. And it says, and it'll be up here on the screens. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures Forever. Depending on the version you have, it might say his love because they use, they translate the word mercy for love there as well. Verse two, oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures. But, but it shouldn't be like endures forever. It should be his mercy endures forever, right? Verse three, oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. Now, let me ask you a question. We can stop right there because you can get an idea of where the chapter is going, right? How long does his mercy endure? So will God's mercy ever run out? They won't run out because they endure for how long? Forever. We should be grateful for this. God was merciful. He is merciful. And he will always be merciful. Not because he has mercy, but because he is mercy. His mercy endures forever, forever, forever. You can even tell somebody, I, me I memorized half a chapter, everybody. Because that whole chapter, it says a line, then it says his mercy endures forever. He can't stop being merciful because he would have to stop being God. God's mercy endures forever. So culturally and practically, what does this mercy mean? What does it mean? Let me give you the key word. Everybody say compassion. Compassion. It means, mercy means to show compassion on the poor and the guilty. Show compassion on the poor and the guilty. And I'm here to remind us all that 
We've been learning, spiritually speaking, we are all both spiritually poor and spiritually guilty. So who needs mercy? Say, I do. (laughs) We all need mercy. There is not one human being, unless your name is Jesus and you're from Nazareth, that does not need mercy. We all need mercy, spiritually speaking. Now, there's something beautiful when we can extend mercy materially to the one, to people that are that are that are poor and guilty in 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 our culture, in our society, and in our world. Which, by the way, next Sunday, Compassion International is going to be in the house with us. We're good friends with Compassion. Last time they were here was 2020. I don't know if anybody was here. November 2020. We still had limited capacity, a lot of masks, a lot of spacing between people because it was 2020. And we only had three services because it was still that year kind of coming back out of everything in COVID. And I told Compassion International, uh, Samuel's coming and Gerald is coming. You're going to meet him as well. I told them, hey, Hey, be ready because I think it's going to be a couple hundred kids that are going to get sponsored. You're going to have the opportunity to sponsor a child that's living in extreme poverty right now in some part of the world, specifically Latin America. My, my family and I, we've been sponsoring uh, um, a little boy named Matias for the last three and a half years, and our goal is to sponsor him all the way through till he graduates the Compassion Program, like those people that you saw reading their letters saying thank you. Those are adults that one day were a child's face on a card and somebody sponsored them until they graduated the program and that's them saying thank you to that person who sponsored them and so we have our boy we're going to add a girl to, girl onto that as well and i wonder if maybe somebody here is saying lord i want to extend some compassion and put some action to what i'm feeling in addition to what i'm feeling that'll be next week it's going to be a great sunday now now back then in the society that jesus was living in when he said blessed are the merciful he was saying that in the midst of a merciless society, not only was the religious system broken and completely merciless, it was a very legalistic religious system where it was all about doing the works and following the rules, but also the political system of the day, the Roman Empire, was very merciless. In fact, they viewed mercy as weakness. They were against mercy. So there was no place for mercy in religion or in politics or in society. So can you imagine how backwards people felt when Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. It went against their veins. It went against what they believed. And Jesus steps in and he says, you are blessed when you show mercy. What? What is this guy talking about? By the way, Jesus was showing us that we can live for the kingdom of God even in a world that is opposed to or opposite of God. We live in a moment right now, I don't know if you just turn on the news, what, 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 the, what, the, what wing of society is trying to put into everything. I mean, even our kids and schools and media and every TV show and every movie, the agenda of putting all this craziness that is so against God's word. And it almost feels like if you believe in God's words and the principle, it almost feels like something's wrong with you. No, 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 something's not wrong with us. Something's wrong with the world. And, 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 it's so, and it's so backwards. That's why what, when Jesus brings these principles, it felt backwards because it's completely against the society and the culture that he was speaking to like it is today. And so, and let's go, let's go a little deeper. Here's, here's something for your notes. Mercy is not just having compassion, but showing compassion. Are you following me? Because some people are really good at having compassion. Like, oh, 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 my heart breaks. Oh, poor, poor. Poor people, my heart breaks when I see those people. Mercy is not just having compassion, 
It's doing something in that compassion. Are you following me? So it's not just feeling compassion, it's showing compassion. The word for this mercy is an active connotation word. There's an, act, there's an activity that's connected to it in scripture. And so what Jesus meant here, he's not saying, blessed are those who feel in their hearts compassion for the little ones. What he's saying is blessed are those who take action upon what they're feeling in their hearts and do something about it out of mercy. Are you following me? You are blessed when you are merciful, Jesus is trying to say. He's not talking about how you feel inside. And that's a good thing to feel that, but it's just helpless and useless if you don't do anything about it. So he, it's an active word which, which would implicate compassion as a verb, not as a noun. So we could say to compassionate. So when you and I are compassionating, we're, we're putting compassion into action. That's what Christ was talking about when he said, blessed are the merciful, showing compassion. And by the way, this is exactly what God did. God is the greatest example of mercy. Think about it. God looked at you and me, and we could never live up to his standard. We can never measure up on that scale. We can never bring enough weight to it to bring moral equity. But God, he didn't just say up in heaven, and Jesus didn't just say, oh, poor humans. Breaks my heart, what they're doing down there. And just left it. God put action behind what he saw and what he felt, and he sent his only son to take your place and my place on the cross to pay the debts that you and I owed spiritually so that we wouldn't have to take that death and we could be redeemed by his grace and by his mercy and we could be saved. He is the greatest example of mercy in the history of humanity. Compassion and action. Last point, point number three is really a question. And here's the question. How can I be merciful, right? If, if, if Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, well, I want to know, how can I be merciful? Because I want to be blessed by God. Blessed are those who are merciful for they shall receive mercy. And I think I want to just give us a reminder here for all of us. If you've never made a decision for Christ, like for real, I'm not saying like, oh, my grandma used to go to church and I'm kind of a good person. Look, look at all the good over here. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you've, ever made, if you've never made a decision for Christ, like confessed his name and, and, and made a decision in your heart, which is a new direction in life. It's, it's my, I'm the same person, but my life is new because I opened the door and God is beginning something new. I want to tell you that you need that mercy to come in like never before. And that can happen today. We're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service. But that's just the beginning. And if you've been walking with Jesus for many years like me, let us not make the mistake of saying, oh, I got mercy one day back many years ago. As if we didn't need mercy today. Because the truth is that you and I continuously need mercy in our life. Let me show it to you. Don't look it up right here on the, on the screens. Lamentations 3.22. Lamentations 3.22. Let's check this out together. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new. When? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you guys notice something about the word mercies? It doesn't say, though the Lord's mercy, like if it was one, or his compassion. It says mercies and compassions. Mercies and compassions. Because it's not just the feeling. It's a continuous action. And God, some people think, oh, God must have had a special mercy on that day. No, no, no. His mercies are new every morning. Mercies and compassions. 
You and I needed mercy yesterday. We need mercies today. And you want to know something about tomorrow? You're going to need some mercies tomorrow. I needed mercy on the day I got saved. I needed some mercy last week. And let me tell you, I need some mercy today. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I want want to point out, this is not a spiritual law. Jesus is not saying, blessed are the merciful. If you show mercy to others, they'll show mercy to you. That's not what he's saying. Because if you've lived a little while, you know that you can be kind to people and they might not be kind back to you. You, you, Do you know what I'm saying? So Jesus is not saying that. What he is saying is, blessed are the merciful, because when you show mercy, you will receive mercy. Not from other people, but from him. When? Every morning. Why? Because his mercies, they're new. And there's another version of Matthew 5, 7 that says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain. Another version says, blessed are the merciful, or happy are the merciful, God will be merciful to them. Are you guys understanding it? You getting it? And so mercy isn't just about, oh, I have these feelings in my heart. It's about I'm taking action based on what I'm understanding and feeling in my heart. And the Bible says that we should give mercy away. We should be merciful. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, those who put mercy into practice. And and here's the reality. You and I, we tend to feel sometimes like we're running low on mercy. Like, for example, I'm not saying anybody here, but maybe this morning you went to wake up your kids for church. And the third time you went to the room to wake them up and say, you got to get up, right? Your mercy was starting to wear thin. Anybody? And don't raise your hands. I already, we already know, right? And then that fourth time you said, if I have to come back to your room, you will meet your creator today. <laughs> yeah, I see parents. I see fathers and mothers. I, don't worry. I'm with you. I know. Now, listen. Now, listen. Your mercy was running thin. But you, but you decided to extend some mercy. That's why they're still alive and here in church with us today. Can we give it up for our kids who are here in church alive today? Keep them alive, Jesus. Keep them alive. And then, and then, and then you got in the car. And you got a couple of them. And then they're fighting. And then it was God's mercy that your arm could not reach. That's God's mercy. You know, that, like the incredible, like I got, you know. Young people give God thanks for his mercy, that your mom's and your dad's arm is not long enough and that they don't have eyes here, although sometimes it feels like, anybody know? And and then you got to church and then a a, a Christian brother, a brother in Christ took your parking spot right when you were going to turn into it. And your mercy, and and your bag, you're like, any more mercy in here? And then you got in to the auditorium and the hermanita was sitting in your chair because that's your chair right on the end so you can put your leg out because you got space I know you I know you the cameras know you too and you and you're like I'm done with mercy thank goodness thank goodness that God is not us and thank goodness that we are not God because we run out we run out mercy 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 sometimes it's 10 a.m and we're already done with mercy If you ever felt that way, you're human. Welcome to humanity. But let me tell you something about our good God. Our God, he said, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain or they will receive mercy. You want to know why? 
Because when you and I are short on mercy, all we got to do is go to God. Because God has an ocean of mercies that are new every morning. And all you got to do is grab your bucket. Grab your bucket. Say, Lord, I need a filling. And grab your mercy. You want to know when you can go get your filling? Every morning. Why every morning? Because they're new in his ocean. Every morning you can go grab mercy. But here's the thing. you got to give mercy because blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. They shall obtain mercy. This is a good message. I just realizing right now how good this is. I want to finish off real quick. Five practical ways you can be merciful, just kind of speaking like in human terms, like in real life, right? Like, how can I make this, how can I use this in my life, pastor? Five practical ways you can be merciful, and then I want to give you one little nugget at the end. Um, let, me, let me start off with this line. The mercy of God empowers me to be merciful by, and I'm going to give you five, to be merciful by, number one, considering the possible reasons for someone else's behavior. Have you ever seen somebody do something and you're like, that is so annoying. <laughs> you know? You know what I'm saying? Like somebody does something and you're like, why? Like what, right? And the thing is, our natural instinct is to think, what a fool. And we judge, right? And we don't consider the possible reasons for someone else's behavior. Because the thing is, you and I aren't God. So we don't know everything and we don't see everything. And I'm not saying that justifies everything, but you don't know that that person's mother just got diagnosed with cancer. And they're having a hard time with it. <laughs> And it's kind of coming out in different ways. But you don't know that. You don't know that that guy is struggling with this internal addiction that nobody knows about. And it just brings shame and guilt. And then it, things kind of come out. And, 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 and if you knew that, you probably would have a little more mercy with them. It's like the story of the, of the, of the older woman who was on the, on the train going back home. And, uh, and then this, this man gets on with, with his three kids and they're just out of control, rambunctious. They're fighting, they're arguing, screaming, crying. And the lady just looks at them and he says, you should be ashamed of yourself. How your kids are acting right now. Get them under control. And he said, ma'am, you, so, you are so right. I'm so sorry. We've been in the hospital the last two weeks. Their mother's been, been in the hospital and she just died today. Right, right. So, so I'm, what I'm saying is I'm giving a very realistic example of perspective. What do you think the lady is thinking right now? It's like, oh, I should have... I should have paused. Maybe I should have considered the possible reasons for the behavior before coming to a judgment. And Are you with me? So how can I express mercy by, here's another one, by covering small offenses and problems with his grace. In life, sometimes there's bigger problems and offenses, and sometimes there's really small things. But some of us are really good at getting really mad at the really small things. How about if we cover some of those small offenses and problems with his grace, especially in marriage, especially at work and with people that we are close to. Like, like what if, what if it's really a small thing? It ultimately is not a condition of their heart. It ultimately is not like affecting my life. So, so rather than letting it eat at me and me wanting to throw something, like how about if I just cover it with some grace? Or three, by, by forgiving someone without announcing it to them or others. I don't know if this has ever happened to you where somebody comes up to you and be like, hey, I just got to tell you, you know, for like three years, I hated you. So mad at you because you were whatever. <laughs> You're like, ah, I didn't even know. It's better if you just allow God to do the work in you that you need and you need it to forgive, for you to forgive. But not have to, and, and, and don't do this. Huh. 
so-and-so. Look what they did to me. But I forgave them. I forgave them now. So now you're, now you're, now you're injecting some venom into somebody else. So how about, how about if, we, if we forgive without having to announce it to everybody or to the person? And, and let the Lord still reconcile if reconciliation is a good thing and possible. Four, by releasing others from imaginary debts. So any, anywhere in my life where I say, you owe me, you owe me an apology, you owe me time, you owe me this. Like, you know, you know that, like when we feel like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna be, I'm not, I don't wanna be with them, I wanna talk to them, so you owe me. Because it's not, that, it's not that, that maybe they didn't do something, but here's the reality. When you and I come to Christ, we surrender all of our debts. We surrender everything to Jesus. When, when we come to Christ, <laughs> my slate is clean. I can release others because I've been released. I'm just trying to get practical here. Lastly, I can show mercy by, by showing a Christ-like response when I am tempted to react. There's a difference between responding and reacting. And uh, some of us need to lean in a little bit more into responding as opposed to reacting. And so in a given situation, if I first consider and pray, Jesus, what would you do? What would you have me do in this situation? So that I can respond in an appropriate way and maybe extend some mercy even though my flesh wants to react and extend some judgment. I want to close off with this thought. It's really good. So the Greek word used in the original writing where Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, it's only found in two places, that specific word for merciful. It's in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, where Jesus is sharing it, but it's also in Hebrews 2. Go to Hebrews 2. This is really cool. So it's in Matthew 2 where Jesus is teaching it, but then it's in Hebrews 2 describing Jesus and it's the only two times that this word for merciful specifically is used. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. And it says, you want to highlight this or circle it? It says, therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Okay? So that word right there, merciful, it has a connotation to it. In the Greek, it's the word eleemon. Eleemon. And the connotation to this Greek word for merciful, it means to be merciful because you've gotten into someone else's skin. We might say nowadays, because you've gotten to someone else's shoes, to be merciful. I wonder how many times in our life we miss out on being merciful because we don't know what it is to walk in their shoes. Because we don't see it from a, another perspective. And what I love about this scripture is what it says about Jesus, that in order to be our high priest, and the way that God called him to be, Jesus literally put on skin and experienced the challenges and difficulties that we experienced. 
Jesus put on our skin. He could have been, he could have felt compassion from heaven and been like, oh, those poor people. But God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his only son, Jesus, to put on our skin. Why? So we could learn what it means to be merciful. He understands what it is to be betrayed by friend. Jesus knows what it is to pray a prayer and not get the answer that he wanted. He knows what it's like to encounter challenges and feel sad. He knows what it is to be in agony and undergo physical pain as well as emotional pain. And today, if you're in either of these, I need you to know that Jesus didn't just stop for a moment and pause and extend judgment and far compassion. He put on our skin because he is our high priest. He didn't just say, oh, that's really sad. He came. He came and he actually put on skin and he came down and he lived the perfect life and he gave his life on the cross for you and for me because he is merciful. We thank God for the mercy of Jesus in our lives and the fact that he can relate to us. He can understand us. He knows what it means. And because he did that, because he's merciful, because he walked in my shoes, because the mercy of God worked in my life, it now empowers me to be a carrier of that same mercy and give it to others in my life. God doesn't just have justice. He is justice. God doesn't just have mercy. He is mercy. He is at the same time completely just and completely merciful. And if it wasn't for Jesus stepping on my side of the scale the day I said yes to him, I would never find that moral equity. It is because of his grace and his mercy. And this is why Jesus said, and we should learn it today, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. I want to pray two prayers to close off this service like we do every Sunday. This first prayer is for all of us to embrace God's mercy and to ask him to give us more abundantly so that we can also give and share and show mercy to others in our lives. And the second prayer will be for anybody who's far from God or who doesn't know Jesus or who doesn't remember if they ever did pray a prayer. And we'll have the opportunity to do that all together as well. So bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we come before you today specifically asking you to help us understand truly your mercy more and more every day. We thank you because today we are understanding the difference and the concepts of justice and mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord, because so often you don't give us what we do deserve. That's your mercy. And so often you do give us what we don't deserve. That's your grace. Thank you today for helping us through your word understand the reality that you are both just and merciful 100% all the time. Thank you because when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive them, and to purify us from unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, because even though we run out of mercy, you have an endless ocean of mercy that we can come to whenever we need it 
And every day, every, every morning, your mercies are new in our lives. Thank you because even though we didn't deserve it, Lord, we gratefully receive it. So help us not only receive your mercy, but teach us to show it and to give it generously in our families, in our marriages, in our relationships with our kids, with our parents, with our brothers and sisters, with our friends, with our colleagues, with our classmates, here at church, with our spiritual family, Lord. Help us give mercy. And Lord, we will follow your ways. And Jesus, we will take your advice. And we want to be merciful because blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.